it's Carl Cruz. And listening to the KC at the Movies podcast for Saturday, the 3rd of March, 2018. Happy Mardi Gras, everyone. I know it's going down in Oxford Street at the moment. Uh, but I had no plans to uh, head out because I've got some stuff to do. So uh, I couldn't. Also, I've got no friends. Let's just be honest here. <laughs> got no way out to go with um, people are busy I think everyone was supposed to do something with uh, they're busy so that's fair um, so yes now yes I sit alone on a Mardi Gras night recording this week's podcast how are you lovely people going uh, I was supposed to as uh, I've said before, I was supposed to uh, record on a Friday night, but um, what did I do last night? I just, I think I just, I think I was watching, I got caught up in watching something and then I just forgot all about it and I thought it was way too late then to release it, so um, didn't do it. And then obviously today, on the weekends I sleep, so didn't do it in the morning, so it's happening now, it's happening uh, Saturday night. Saturday night. Is that the whole cold, uh, cold chisel song? Saturday... Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, just feeling a bit, uh... Tired, I guess, in the stomach. I just had a... I just made myself some spaghetti bowl and I for dinner. So, uh... It's like when you when you when you get it, we want to go swimming, but you got to calm down. Yeah, can't go swimming for like another half an hour. And then um, yeah, it was it was that I don't know if it's a myth or anything, but it's like you gotta wait half an hour before you jump in the pool, upset your stomach, eating dinner. Um, wish I had some water with me, but uh, that uh, that I think I drank I drank it all. Yeah, I drank it all. Anyway. That's enough fucking blubbering on. Um, this podcast, I, uh, I I said on my Instagram, I was, I'll be talking about Phantom Thread and uh, Red Sparrow with uh, Jennifer Lawrence's new film. Um, so I went and saw Phantom Thread on... Was it? Yes, it was Monday... I believe it was Monday night, and uh, then I went and saw Red Sparrow on our Thursday night to say goodbye to a friend, and he's going back to India, uh, who, fun fact, was my DP on my second f- student film. So, uh, yeah, he's going back to India, and he wanted to go see Red Sparrow, because we've literally seen pretty much nearly every film in the theatre. I haven't seen Game Night or Black Panther yet, but everything else I've seen. So, uh, yeah, no Black Panther. I know, I'm a little, I'm a little late. I'm a little late. I oh, know. Black Panther. I oh, know. I'm a little late, but you can't really help it when you got this much stuff to do. When you're first up on shoots and you got to get pre-production pretty much up and rolling in like a week. So, um, and one of my goals this weekend is to, um, find the production designer and then I'm going to throw out the casting notice out for all three of the characters in the film. Also got to do a final, uh, a rewrite of the, um, the final draft. So uh, that's that's also another reason why I didn't really didn't really want to go do crazy and go out tonight because I knew I had some things to do and I knew I wouldn't get it done on Sunday because I'm a lazy fuck. So um, we yeah, so I'm choosing to do that uh, after this. I'll be sure after this and I'll have to get down, get down and dirty, and uh, work my ass off to try and find some. Uh, location ideas, might put a mood video together, um, get some references. Got already got some visual references, but I've got to find some more so I can uh, get some uh, designers on board. Art department up and running. Uh, yes, so um, I'll also be talking about it at the end of the film, at the end of the film, <laughs> the end of the uh, podcast, I want to talk about, I just want to do a quick Oscars recap, now that I've seen most Oscar films, except Darkest Hour and Post, 
which I just couldn't get around to. Um, to be honest, I don't really have any interest in seeing Darkest Hour. I know that Gary Oldman is in it. He's probably going to get the Oscar for it, but uh, I don't know. I just just uh, didn't really pique my interest as much as everybody, everything else did. But there was another film which I did didn't pique my interest pique my interest as much as everything else did, and I highly regret that watching that last. But I'm I'm still I'm glad I saw it, but I'm, I regret watching it last. Um, and that was and uh, that would be the film I'm talking about in a minute. So I'll be finishing off with the a bit of an Oscars recap and just doing my predictions again. Uh, not everything, just the major categories. I think this time because I, I covered pretty much all the categories I talk about. I covered a couple of podcasts ago, but uh, just before the Oscars are on Monday, just want to lay on. Um, let's take a look. One last look at the uh, lineup. So the film I was talking about, which I kind of do regret watching last, but I'm so glad I watched it. I don't know why the thoughts in my head said that. Even though I do like Paul Thomas Anderson's films, uh, I don't know. In my head, I was just like, oh, it doesn't look that interesting. I don't know. That doesn't really grab me. The story doesn't really grab me at all. But uh, no, God, was I wrong? Um, and now I'm talking about Phantom Thread, which is uh, uh, the new film from Paul Thomas Anderson, starring Daniel Day Lewis, uh, Vicky Kripes, Leslie Manville, and uh, I think those are the big names that are attached to it. But um, Daniel Day Lewis being the big one. Uh, Daniel Day Lewis plays uh, a guy named Reynolds, Reynolds Woodcock. This place takes place in 1950s London, and uh, he plays a guy named Reynolds Woodcock, who is a dressmaker, a very obsessive, routine dressmaker. Um, he wants every dress he makes to be perfect. He doesn't like any mistakes, and he has a very, very specific routine that, if to be broken, could ruin his whole day. And uh, one day, while having lunch, he bumps into a waitress that he starts a relationship with, and she begins to shake up his life and change it. Um, For good or for worse, that's for you to find out. I loved Phantom Thread. Um, First and foremost, it... I loved it. It was uh, Daniel Day Lewis. It was definitely his his performance. Uh, Vicky Cripes was another great performance. I don't know why she isn't in. Now that I can say this, I don't know why she isn't in Best Supporting Actress nominations. I think she should be there instead of Leslie Manville, to be honest. Or take out Meryl Streep from the post and put in Cripes because Cripes went toe to toe with Daniel Day Lewis in this film, toe to toe, and she was a powerhouse. Um, but that's not taking away from Mr. Day-Lewis's brilliant performance as this very, very obsessive dressmaker. Um, there are moments in the film that are... Who know, who, who knew a breakfast scene could be filled with so much tension and just anything could happen where you're just like... I don't know, it's quite unpredictable. You're just like, what's, what's going to happen here? Um, I used to be a breakfast dude I'm not really that much of a breakfast dude anymore because I just I don't know one two one I just wake up and I don't have breakfast I wake up late and I don't have breakfast uh in the mornings when I wake up I just grab an apple or a banana then walk out and head to school but on the weekends I just wake up heaps late and I don't I just go straight to lunch um but everybody says that breakfast is the most important meal of the day that used to be uh, a thing with me, but now it isn't. But it is definitely a thing with uh, Woodcock, his character Woodcock. If breakfast is destroyed, if his routine with breakfast is broken in the slightest, his whole day is ruined. It is. It, it takes him off edge, and it just he doesn't feel like he's doing a good job throughout the day. Um, so yeah, performances-wise, it's great. Paul Thomas Anderson, I've got to give it to him for his direction, first of all. His cinematography, he did the cinematography in this film, I couldn't believe it. His cinematography, and I've also got to give it to Johnny Greenwood for the score. Um, score is just something beautiful. It's, uh, I've been listening to it, uh, while I've been doing my work. It's, it's, br- it's just, is. 
it's it's beautiful. It's uh, I don't know. It's it's very classical. It's also, but it's also it's like it's like royal. It's there's something royal about it, and that's why I like about it. And it's uh, it, I don't know, it helps you get your work done. Like I was uh, writing a draft to the um, I think it was the armor theme that Greenwood did, and it it uh, helped me got get some work done. Um, and also, so that along with the Shape of Water soundtrack, this has been, this is, it has been one of the best scores I've heard all year. Um, brilliant score. And, uh, the cinematography from Paul Thomas Anderson is something not to be, uh, dismissed because it's so, like Shape of Water, it's not magical, it's just, the composition is flawless, it's so gorgeous, it's... The costume design, I gotta give it the costume design. I don't know who's the costume designer because I think they're I think they are nominated too, I think. Um you know I can just look at the the uh the nominations on my phone. Because I have them saved. But the costume designer deserves a lot, a lot of credit because these costumes are magnificent. Uh Mark Bridges, well done. It they're just beautiful. And I heard that Day Lewis actually made a few of the dresses himself and all of my first thought was just like yeah of course he did because he's so method he needs to get into that character and uh to hear that he actually made some of these dresses i was like yep i just it didn't surprise me i was like yeah yeah he probably did he probably did that um the way he was when we were lincoln when uh, when he was the uh, when he was daniel plainview and there will be blood he's a method actor that's what he does he gets the he gets, he gets in the character, and uh, acts like that character while they're doing production, and wants to be called that character pretty much. Um, I'm just explaining to everybody who doesn't know what a method actor is. That's what they, that's what they do. And his during his production of Lincoln, he was he wanted everyone to call him Mr. President, and he acted like Lincoln. And then during this one, everybody had to call him Woodcock or Reynolds Woodcock or Reynolds. And uh, he would be that character. This, There's something you have to admire, admire about the, his commitment to the characters that he plays. Um, as much as it would come off pretentious to other people, being a method actor and getting into that. And um, when I think of pretentious or think of like a bit of a dick thing to do, I just think of... I think of Jared Leto's Joker when he did, um, when he sent those gifts to people. It was a bit, bit too over the line to me. Um, I don't know if you call it pretentious. I, 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 just, I just call it like just a bit too over the line. I wouldn't call. I wouldn't send dead rats to my castmates. It'd just be a bit weird. <laughs> um, yeah. So I know that some people don't drive well with method actors, and they just think they're a bunch of cunts. Um, but I also. There's the side that you have to admire, and I just admire Daniel Day-Lewis's method acting because he just, he doesn't go as far, he just goes as far to act like that character, and, and, uh, but when he does it, he, he, he just, he sinks. When I watch Jared Leto's Joker, I just see Jared Leto playing the Joker. I honestly do. I don't see, the, I don't see the Joker, I just see Jared Leto playing the Joker, playing his version of the Joker. When I see Daniel Day-Lewis playing as either um, Abraham Lincoln, Daniel Plainview, or um, Gangs of New York. Was he, was he in Gangs of New York? I forget, but Reynolds Woodcock in Phantom Thread. I don't see Daniel Day-Lewis. I see Reynolds Woodcock. I just see... He's not there. His character is there, but he's not there. He's like a fucking chameleon. Um, yeah, he's... That's what I admire when he gets in the, when he plays his characters. When he commits to his characters, he just disappears. You don't see him; you just see his character. And then uh, when you watch these interviews of him, and, and he's just like, you know, his normal self after the film's done, he's like, "What the? I'm sure that was a completely different person. <laughs> what the fuck?" Um, so that's what I admire about him and his performance here. Again, is is brilliant. Like it, saying a Daniel Day Lewis performance is brilliant is like saying that. Denis Villeneuve's new film is a masterpiece or is is a great film because every single film he's done so far for me has been a great film and he hasn't had a miss yet. Um, 
Or is like saying uh, The Godfather isn't one of the greatest films of all time. Because it is. Um, it's just a it's just a black and white statement now that Daniel Day Lewis played did a brilliant performance and he played his character well. Um, and and I, and I have to give it to uh, I also have to give it to Vicky Crops though I've never really heard of her before I haven't really paid any attention to her she is kind of a newcomer to me in terms of this film because I just saw her as like oh, okay but she was absolutely fantastic she was as i said before she went toe to toe with daniel day lewis like and his character and when their characters clash they clash like they have their moments of uh, i guess love and relationships um feelings but when they clash when they have these fights oh man do they fight um i also loved about this film the writing uh paul thomas anderson's writing um, it was just, it was like, um, very well written, but at the same time, like very funny too. Like there are some funny lines that I haven't got out of my head. Like my favorite line from the film is a scene where he's in his, I don't know if that's his guest house or something, or if that's his actual house, because he, I, th- I think he lives in the, in the mansion, the Woodcock mansion. Or the House of Woodcock. Or I think it's called House of Woodcock. Then you've got that house in the countryside that he lives in. And he does dresses there. And she... Anyway, her character of Alma, Vicky Cross's character of Alma, comes in to give him tea. And then he goes, Oh, I didn't. I don't want tea. And then he, and she was like just saying, Oh, well, um, I've made it for you. And he goes, Well, I don't want it. And then he's, he's walking out. And then um, he goes, I don't want it. And then she, I think he's... She's walking out of it, and she's like, I'm taking you away. He goes, yes, the tea is getting taken away, but the interruption is staying in here. <laughs> I thought it was... I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was brilliant writing. Um, and I thought it was really... There's there's moments of um, levity as well in this film, as well as the high drama um, with the character of Woodcock. Um, I thought it was a great look at uh, work, dedication to work, and um, just putting all of yourself into your craft and just almost like, um, I don't know, like, it's like when art is pain, art is pain, when it comes to, because I do see dressmaking as an art, I, that, that would be an art to me. Um, some of these dresses are just flaws and they're just fucking majestic, beautiful. So... I did see it as that, a very good dedication to work, a very good study, a very good character study as well of of Woodcock and uh, a person that just puts all of himself into her work. He has a routine. He has everything about him that needs to be needs to be the exact same. There needs to be, there's no broken, there's nothing spontaneous happening. Um, I thought it was a good look at an unconventional love story um, between these two characters that love each other at first then come at ends and then you just don't know where they're going to go and then the final scene I just didn't see it coming I didn't see that I didn't see it coming I didn't see that happening so uh, hats off to um, PT for you know lifting the rug there Um, it was also such a I don't know such a great scene in the end I just didn't see it coming Um, and I'm not going to spoil it because it's a good scene Um, there are also many great scenes in this film, which, um, I won't talk about too much, uh, but that's one of them, the ending scene, that great scene. Didn't see it coming. Um, what was I, uh, yes, it's a, it's about, I don't know, it's about sacrificing, I guess it's about, what I saw was, it's about sacrificing, like, some things for love, some things that, like, let let a couple of things go so you can have this relationship with this person. Um, it's kind of a a very unorthodox way <laughs> that she gets Reynolds to love her in this film. Uh, but I don't know; it must have worked because of what happens in the final scene. Um, 
I also thought it was a good look at power dynamics as well um, between two people or just definitely two people. And when these when scenes play out, um, it reminds me of PT's other film, uh, There Will Be Blood, where you have Eli, Eli Sunday, I think his name is, and Daniel, and their scenes, when they had their scenes together, you can tell who's in control in that scene, and then there's a new scene where the other character's in control, and their power has, like, taken over that scene, they have the power in that scene, and then you have, he has the power in that scene. So I guess Daniel Plainview and Woodcock go hand in hand with their power, with their, what they want in each they always want to have the upper hand in each encounter, and they always want to have uh, the last say. I guess he always likes to argue. He has very petty arguments with Alma in the film, and he always has to have the last say. He always has to have um, the last—not last laugh, but just like yeah, the last word in. He has to get the last word in. He always has to get the last word in. Um, and I saw. Uh, when I, and then again, when I say that they came hand to head, that they can't come down to the power dynamics because then there's 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 scenes where they're both at each other's throats and they're both got the power. There's scenes where she has the power. There's scenes where he has the power. I just thought it was a really intricate look at how power dynamics work in a relationship and um, whether they be friends, uh, family, or lovers, partners even. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. I love Phantom Thread. I thought it was another great addition to P.T. Anderson's filmography. Darren Dalila's performance is brilliant. Vicky Croft's performance is brilliant. It should be talked about more often. And Johnny Greenwood's score is something brilliant. Loved it. Um, there's a lot of great scenes in this film. Uh, one scene that I will actually point out, another scene I'll actually point out, is a scene with some asparagus. And I'll let you find out what that scene is. It's a very funny scene. And a lot of shit said. <laughs> so I highly recommend you do go and check out Phantom Thread. Um, now that I've actually watched it, I do think it is a good contender for Best Picture. I, however, don't think it will get Best Picture, but I'll be talking about that later. Um, it's a great film, and I definitely see myself buying it on Blu-ray. And it's definitely up there with my top P.T. Anderson films. Um... Who knows if it overtake the master? The master being one of my favorites. Um, who knows yet? But it's a great film, and if it's still playing out, um, if you're living in Sydney, it's still playing at Dendi. It's still playing at the Ritz until the Oscars comes around. But then I think it's going to go, so I'd, I'd hurry up. <laughs> I'd get there quickly. Um, otherwise, catch it on Blu-ray. It's, it's, it's a film to be seen, to be to admire the production design, the score, the performances, the directing, the writing, everything about it. It's a brilliantly crafted film. And uh, you should need, you need to see it. Excellent. Right, uh, moving on to um, a film one saw Wednesday, uh, Thursday night. So uh, our friend Anish is leaving. Well, he has he has left. He has gone back to India. Not before giving me my uh, grade back for a long land, but uh, he's gone back to India. He's not going to come back. Um, so we had to say we wanted to say goodbye to him so we went out for dinner and we went to see Francis Lawrence's new film Red Sparrow with uh, Jennifer Lawrence Joel Edgerton uh, Charlotte Rampling I think there is also Marilise Parker I think is in that too and that's all I could really grab I think who's that I don't know the guy who plays her brother yet but he's really good um, I'll get into him in a second though Anyway, Red Sparrow is about Jennifer Lawrence's character. She plays a character named Dominica. She is a Russian ballerina. And due to an unfortunate accident that happens during one of her performances, she gets recruited into the Red Sparrow program that is run by this by the, by the Soviet Union. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's the Soviet Union. And uh, this Sparrow program is um, designed to have young women, men and women. It's not just women. The trailer paints it to be women. It's men and women to use their bodies uh, in lethal ways, I'll just say. I'll just... That's a... That's a... That's as basic I'll get with a plot because there's a lot of twists and turns in this film and a lot of plot twists. Some I, some I liked, some I didn't like, um, and some I definitely saw coming. 
I'll get to that in a second. Um, so I get, I'll just I'll just say it's that that she is a Russian ballerina. She gets recruited into this Red Sparrow program, and it's about using her uh, body to get what she wants or to for uh, lethal action. I'll just say again. And uh, while in I think it's in Budapest, she runs into Joel Edgerton's character, and he play, he works for the CIA, and some things happen there. Um. Yeah, I didn't... I saw the trailer for Red Sparrow a couple of weeks... Uh, not a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, I think, with a friend of mine. And um, I'm a fan of Jennifer Lawrence, so... I, uh... I was like, this looks really different. This looks really interesting. It's it's like kind of a... I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, spy thrillers and espionage. And uh, this looks really cool, mixing with the Cold War era of um, around Russia and um, European countries. So I was, I don't know, I was intrigued. I didn't want to rush out to it because I knew I had to knock off the Oscar films, but um, this come around and everyone was like, let's see Red Sparrow. So I went with them because, of course, I'm going to say goodbye to my friend. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a mixed bag. Uh, it's a mixed bag, this one. What I do like is definitely the performances. Jennifer Lawrence has delivers another great performance. Uh, Joel Edgerton, I really liked his performance. Their chemistry together was great as well. I also really liked... Charlotte Ramplin is highly underutilized in this film. Highly underutilized. Um, who plays the... Uh, Matthias? Her brother. The guy who plays her, her uncle, sorry, is... Oh my god, I loved him. Uh, he was great. I've seen him before. I think I've seen him with Tom Hardy before. Was it The Drop? I'm looking at him right now. It's The Drop, yeah. Um, but he's like a kind of like a minor character. I th- I saw him. Yeah, he's the, he's the yes, yes, yes. I know, I know who he is now. In the Drop. But he was really good. I don't want to say his last name because I'm not even going to fucking try. Um, he was good as her uncle. Her kind of. Uh, demanding can't you very demanding um and he's he's very like he's kind of uh what do you call it uh there's no he has no regret even he knows exactly what he's putting his niece through Jennifer Lawrence's character of uh, Dominica he knows exactly what he's putting her through but it's like he has no Remorse of what happens to her, or um, what she goes through, or she experiences, and uh, yeah, he's his character of the uncle. He's he's very he's a shifty bugger <laughs> to give it to uh, to give it to you in Australian terms. Shifty bugger. Uh, this is based off the 2013. Um, novel that's actually written by a retired CIA operative, Jason Matthews, and it's been adapted into film uh, by Justin Haif, and it's directed by Francis Lawrence, who I believe did The Hunger Games. I think it was him. I've only known him from The Hunger Games, really. Yeah, he just uh, yeah he did all The Hunger Games. I've only known him from The Hunger Games, so you can tell you know already that he has a very strong relationship with Jennifer Lawrence. And he can probably get a lot of stuff out of her because I'm going to say that because this film is very is very uh, brutal at times. It's very raw. It's um, definitely not people are touting this as uh, um, the rated R uh, Black Widow film. Um, I, it's no, no, it's not that. Um, it's it's really not <laughs> because it's nowhere. Sure, she's a Russian spy, but the her specialty is not that of an agent. Like she's an agent, but sorry, it's she's not. There's no action in this film. I'll say that. That's what I'll say. There's no there's no action in this film. This this film is all about intrigue. Um, it's about uh, secrecy, um, discreetness. It's very very slow it's not very slowly paced it does go um 
it does go for a little too long in my opinion. It could have shaved about ten minutes off maybe. But it is it's pretty it's pretty slow, not very slow, but it's pretty slow. It's 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 gotta get its wheels going. It takes a while to get its wheels going. Um and then when it does like you're still watching it but you're questioning a lot of things that are happening because one of my main issues with the film is that Jennifer Lawrence's character of Dominica is very unclear like her motivations are very unclear and you don't really know what side she's on throughout the whole film you don't know who she's fucking with you don't know who she's going to betray you don't know who she's going to fucking do a double eight what do you what do you call it? double agent you know if she's a double agent or not you don't know when she's going to flip sides you don't know because it's not really clear um there's also this kind of like this side I want to say side plot because it didn't really have anything to do with the story I don't think it could have been something could have replaced it I think but I think it was just too of a wa- too much of a waste of a sequence um, with this character with Marta, I just think it didn't really need that. Um, but the film could have done without it. Uh, yeah, it just didn't really. I don't know. Some things it just didn't. Uh, I didn't uh, jive with. It's the second time I've said that tonight. Also, the cinematography. It's it's some shots are beautiful. Some shots are nice. Um, especially the night shots. They're really nice. Um, there's some really good shots where uh, the characters in your windows and the light just hits them beautifully. Um, but there's also really shots that are very showy. Um, oh god, there's this fucking... At the end of the film, there's there's a, a thing I don't like, and it's there. And it's nowhere... It doesn't have to be in the film, because it's never in the film. If you're going to use that, like, have it throughout the film, and then I won't be as, I don't know, like, jarred from it? Jarred by it? But it's like this, like, great shots, composition, all this this stuff. Good cinematography throughout the film. And then it's just, I don't know, something with the lighting, something happens in the last sequence, and I just didn't... Yeah, didn't like it. (laughs) So I was just like, ah, course they're putting this in why are they going to put this fucking shit in um i'm not gonna i don't want to put any spoilers because if anyone wants to go see this film i don't want to spoil anything that happens but yeah i find that even that is a spoiler because that takes place in the final scene so i'm not gonna say anything about that but yeah that's the thing that i just didn't really like about this film i didn't i I just thought it was all right i just thought it was I don't know. I was pretty underwhelmed. The trailer had me intrigued. It wasn't. I didn't think it was a shit trailer, like most people are saying. It had me kind of intrigued. It got me in there, and I was, I was like, I'll see it, but I won't like rush out and see it. But we ended up seeing it opening night, so <laughs> that's when we went. But um, yeah, just a little. I don't know. A little let down by it. A little underwhelming. Um. And it's definitely got to do with the main character of Dominica. Um, the, again, unclear motivation. You never know what side she's on. Some of her decisions that she makes are just... I just don't understand. I didn't understand. I, I didn't understand why she just made that snap decision and just did that. Or did those things. It's never really backed up. Um, she just does things and then you're like oh okay and then you're like but why though and it just doesn't really tell you the film doesn't really tell you why or she doesn't really say why um, I just thought yeah some of the things that she does were a bit weird but I can't say out of character because I don't know what kind of character she is that's the film's problem I don't know what kind of character she is I don't know who she's who she's for and uh, I, just, I just found myself being like, oh, okay. I wasn't. I was never really rooting for her either. I was just like, oh, okay. Well, she does this. This happens. I don't really mind if it does. Um, a lot of the plot twists as well. Every single plot twist I did see coming. I think it's because I've seen a, f- a few too many spy thrillers. So, a lot of the plot twists I did see coming. I was talking to a friend of mine outside the theater, and she was saying, she was like, oh, I didn't really see that coming. And I was just saying that I did. And she was like, oh, well, we'll have, you know. You sure you did? And I was just like, yes. 
it, they were kind of predictable. The way, um, despite her character being so muddy and unclear, uh, I did see some of the things that were happening to be, uh, to come. Um, I, to, you know, I saw the twists coming, to be honest. I saw them all coming. Um, some of the Russian accents as well in this film are a bit dodgy. Um, Jennifer Lawrence does a good job. Um, but I'm talking about, I'm talking about you, Jeremy Irons. I thought he was British the whole time until he started sounding a bit Russian near the end. I'm like, the fuck's going on? It reminded me of, uh, my mate who we, uh, he's not as bad as this. But, uh, Thursday we had this, uh, third draft workshop. And, uh, we're reading scripts. And then a mate of mine, um, a peer of ours, I'd say, uh, he was reading some of the lines and he would put a different accent on it at each line in each paragraph. And, uh, he would, like, I think he would start off by doing, like, a Southern American accent first and then he'd move to, like, a British accent. There was a bit of Indian in there sometime. I don't know how. Don't know how he worked that in. And then he went full-on Australian, bogan Australian at the end, and then he kind of went back to, like, he tried a bit of South American shit, and I was like, what is happening? (laughs) What the fuck is going on? So, um... I had to say that, because we just found that really weird. And then when Jeremy Irons was... um, When Jeremy Irons was talking, I was just like, "Are are you... Is this Russian? You're trying, but it's not... It's not there. Like, Jennifer Lawrence does... I thought in the trailer, her, I was just like, oh, no. Oh, please don't do... No. I don't want to hear that. I hate when Americans you can't do a good Russian accent. They can never really pull it off. But she does an alright... She does an alright job. I'll give it to her. Does an alright job. Joel Edgerton plays an American, so he's pretty easy to do his accent. He's also really good in the film. Um, I love Joel Edgerton. He's... I love his performances. I love his film, The Gift. It's a great film. Um, I loved him in It Comes at Night. Um, I, I recently, uh, about a couple of months ago, I went and saw, I went and rented um, Animal Kingdom that he was in with Ben Mendelsohn. And I believe Jackie Weaving as well. And uh, that was really, he was really good in that. And I was just like, how the fuck did I not know about this dude? Because I think the first time I heard about him was, uh, let me just do, let me quickly look it up because I'll know, I'll know what film it is when I see it. Um, I'm on Red Sparrow at the moment, am I? Yeah. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, internet. I think it was Warrior the first time I saw him. Yeah, I think it was Warrior. was the first time I saw him. And he was great in that. We had Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy being the best, I think. Um, you know who's also a good warrior? Nick Nolte. He was good too. Um, and then I saw him again in uh no it wasn't zero dark 30 i didn't really notice in there i think it was was it that life what was that no no i never heard of that one i think it was black mass yeah i think it was black mass um even though that came after the gift because i saw him in the gift and then i think it was Black Mass uh, came after that. And then I paid more attention to him in Black Mass. Was he also an American Hustle as well, was he? Or was that... Uh, that was uh, Jeremy Renner. That was Jeremy Renner. And then from there, Midnight Special. Yes, he was great in that. Uh, and It Comes at Night. Yes. Um, I won't say anything about Bright. <laughs> uh, and Red Sparrow. And I think what's he in next? Gringo. Looks a bit weird with our uh, Charlie's throws throw. That looks a bit weird. Looks a bit uh, funky. So yeah, he was good. Jennifer Lawrence was good. Um, yeah, like performances were good. Um, but the story just—I don't know—suffers from this kind of side plot and then bad writing, um, character development. So I can't really recommend that you go out and see it because I just think it's a bit of a... Um, if you do go and spend, like, in Sydney, it's, what, seventeen fifty. I just don't think it's worth seventeen fifty. Um, so I guess wait till it comes out, I think. 
Or if you're still intrigued by a spy thriller and want to see some Jennifer Lawrence, because there's some stuff in this movie that she does that's pretty fucking balls out uh, brave and uh, weird, though. Like, the, the scenes that she's involved in are very awkward and very just weird. I felt off. I felt I just felt a bit off when I watched her in these scenes where she's supposedly um, doing full nudity. Um, they, they're very, very awkward and off. Um, and again, I got, must say it again, Charlotte Rampling's character is very underutilized. Loved her character, and I loved her training in the in the Sparrow School. And uh, the last thing I'll say, again, I, I'm thinking of things as they're coming to my head. Last thing I'll say, I just wish we spent more time with the Sparrows, or that she used that kind of specialty a bit more in a film, because then she just becomes this... I guess she just becomes this just a normal Russian agent, and she's not a sparrow really she um yeah i can't really say that she kind of uses more of her sparrow skills she just becomes this she just uses normal russian or american whatever spy skills that you have um under your belt so i wish we spent more time in the sparrow school and with charlotte ramplin's character uh the teacher because she was really good and those scenes were just as much as they were weird and off-putting i liked them <laughs> I um, I thought they were interesting, and part of the, one of the most intriguing parts in the film was being at that Sparrow School. So uh, yeah, um, I can't really recommend you go out and see it. Either wait till it comes out, or give it a few weeks, and then go go see it on like a rainy Saturday night or something. I don't know. I yeah, I can't recommend you rush out and see it at the moment. But if you're a Jennifer Lawrence fan, if you love spy thrillers, if you're a hardcore Jennifer Lawrence fan, I know you're probably already there. You've probably already seen it. Um, my mate of mine is a, loves Jennifer Lawrence and she's probably already seen it. So, um, yeah, that's Red Sparrow. Right, um, so what I want to really finish off with, oh, something's happening. <laughs> um, fucking hell. I'm sweating bullets! Um, <laughs> what I want to uh, finish off with is uh, just take a, a f- final recap, quick little recap at the uh, at the Oscars, um, and what's going on, what's going down. Uh, this it's Sunday in America, but it's going to be Monday at, in the in the daytime here in Australia. I'm gonna fucking miss it. This is the first time in years. I'm missing the Oscars, so I'm going to have to wait till the reruns in the night time, so don't fucking tell me shit on social media, because I'll come to your house, and I'll, you you, you get the gist, you get the gist, so I'm just going to run through uh, the basic ones, because I did talk about the main ones, because I did talk about all these other ones last time, so I'll just run through these ones again, um... I guess we'll just go from... Yeah, we'll just go from supporting actress. So, I'm just going to read them out again. We have Jamari J. Blige for Mudbound, Laurie Metcalf for Lady Bird, Alison Janney for Artonia, Octavia Spencer for The Shape of Water, and Leslie Manville for The Phantom Thread. Um, okay. So, Alison Janney's going to get it. She's going to get it. Um, so, I would give I would give it to Alison Janney or Laurie Metcalf. I thought Metcalf was amazing in Lady Bird. So, um, but I, I think my top pick would be Alison Janney because I just enjoyed her too much in Artonia. I just enjoyed her way too much. So that would be my pick. Uh, Leslie Manville. I mean, what the Look, I don't think she was as, as great as Vicky Crafts was, even though she's a supporting actress. I just don't think she was as good as these other supporting um, actresses that like, uh, that we had here, like, I'm looking at Miles Turner Oscars here, um, and, I think even, Ana de Armas in 2049 was better than her, I thought, um, I thought Holly Hunter in The Big Sick was better than her, um, so I would either give it to Holly Hunter, I'd probably give it to Holly Hunter, I'd take her out and put Holly Hunter in. Yeah. Yeah. I'd put Holly Hunter in for supporting actress and take out Leslie Manville. I just thought Holly Hunter was way better than her. Even though Phantom Thread was a great movie. 
Uh, supporting actor, we have Willem Dafoe for the Florida Project. Saw that recently as well. Christopher, Lump, Christopher Plummer for All the Money in the World. That's one I haven't seen. Woody Harrelson for Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Richard Jenkins for The Shape of Water. And Sam Rockwell for Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. My pick is still Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell probably will get it. Although I did love uh, Willem Dafoe on the Florida Project. However, I loved more Richard Jenkins in The Shape of Water. I thought his character was great. And I thought his character had a lot of development as well in The Shape of Water. A lot more development than... I guess Willem Dafoe and Harrelson. Um, I can't remember Paul Sam Rock. I just love Sam Rockwell too much, and his character in the film is just great. But Richard Jenkins was definitely a runner-up for me because his character in The Shape of Water was awesome. Uh, right, right. Uh, that the screenplay. Coming by a name, James Ivory, Disaster Artist Logan, Molly's Game, and Mudbound. So it's either going to go to Call Me By A Name for James Ivory or Molly's Game with Aaron Sorkin. It would probably go to Aaron Sorkin, however, I would give it to James Ivory for Call Me By A Name, especially for that final monologue by Michael Stuhlbach's character of uh, Elio's father, what he says to him in the end. Fuck me. That is subtext all the way through, and it's just so powerful. Um, so my pick would be Corbe and Anne, however, I think Molly's Game will probably get it, just for Aaron Sorkin being attached to it. And I guess the dialogue's good. I haven't seen Molly's Game, so I guess the dialogue would be... You know, Aaron Sorkin's dialogue is very bang-bang. It's Aaron Sorkin dialogue. Like, everyone, everyone, that's what everyone refers it to, just Aaron Sorkin dialogue. Very snappy, very back and forth. It flows. Uh, original screenplay with The Big Sick, Get Out, Lady Bird, Shape of Water, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, look. <clears throat> I would either give it to... Literally, I would give it to any of these. <laughs> My pick is any of these films, because I loved all of these films. Um, now that I've seen Shape of Water and Lady Bird, I, have, I love all these films. Love them. Get Out as well. I watched that again the other day because I bought it on Blu-ray. And I listened to uh, the commentary. The Yeah. Um, and The Big Sick is just a beautiful film. Yeah. Um, that's hard, eh? It's a hard one. I'm going to go with... I'm gonna. My pick's going to be Get Out. I just I I would love Jordan Peele to get it, for Get Out, because I think that screenplay is brilliant. Um, subverts expectations, subverts horror expectations, and um, and gives you a satisfying ending. Um, so I'd probably give it Get Out. I'd, my thing would be Get Out. I'd love to see Get Out get it. The outlier would probably be. Shape of Water, I think. Looking at our leading actors here, we have Timothy Chalamet, Coin by a Name, Daniel Day-Lewis for Stanton Thread, Daniel Kaluuya for Gay Art, Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour, and Denzel Washington for Roman J. Israel Esquire. Uh, look, my three would be Timothy Chalamet, Daniel Day-Lewis, and Daniel Kaluuya. I haven't seen Darkest Hour, so I can't say much about Gary Oldman's performance. And that's really everyone's really raving about Darkest Hour about, just his performance. Um, literally, that's all I've seen in the reviews, just his performance is good. Story's a bit, eh, we know it, I guess. Um, yeah, Timothy Chalamet or Daniel Day-Lewis for me. Yeah. I'm going to give it to Timothy Charlemagne. I definitely give it to... T yeah, I'm going to go get Timothy Charlemagne. Um, he acts through the fucking credits. I mean, come on. <laughs> I can't... You can't beat that. You can't be acting through the credits. He tells... The dude tells the story of the whole film with his face. It's amazing. If you haven't seen Call Me By Your Name yet, go and fucking watch it. Happy Mardi Gras. <laughs> Uh, leading actress, we have Sally Hawkins, 
for a shape of water. Francis McDormand for three billboards outside Edmond, Missouri. Mark Ro- Mark Mark Robbie, <laughs> Margot Robbie for Artonia, Saoirse Ronan for um, Lady Bird, and Meryl Streep for Get Out. Again, take it, Meryl Streep, and put Aubrey Plaza there. <clears throat> Excuse me, <clears throat> or Vicky Christ. <clears throat> Um, love to see Sally Hawkins get it. Would love to see Shosha Ronan get it. Would love to see Margot Robbie get it. Frances McDormand is going to win it. Um, she's won every single award so far, so I think Frances McDormand will win it. But love to see. Would love to see Sally Hawkins. I'd love to see her get it. Even don't cut out Margot Robbie too, because her performance in Antonia is pretty strong. Very strong. Not pretty. Very strong. She's very good. But Sally Hawkins is. Sally Hawkins was something else in Shape of Water, but Frances McDormand is a is a force to be reckoned with in three billboards, and I loved her character. So my pick is still going to be Frances McDormand. However, I would be my second runner-up would probably be Sally Hawkins, Shape of Water. Looking at directing, Dunkirk, Christopher Nolan, Get Out, Jordan Peele, Lady Bird. Greta Gerwig, Phantom Thread, Paul Thomas Anderson, Shape of Water, Guillermo del Toro. I mean, Guillermo del Toro is going to win it. Um, it's also my pick as well. He's my pick. That film is something of a magical beast. That film is so masterfully and meticulously crafted, it cannot, it could not have been done by anybody else. So, I've got to give it to Guillermo del Toro. And finishing off with Best Picture... Uh, call me by your name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, Shape of Water, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Again, again, I was pleased with most of these films. Loved every single film I saw, except The Post and Darkest Hour. I missed out on those ones. But every single film I've seen in Best Picture category has been amazing, and I love them. Um... Looking at our chances here, uh, Call Me By Your Name has a very good chance. Uh, if, if, if we're thinking about current climate, um, with the inclusion of the LGBTQ, I think it's God Christ. If I didn't get that, if I got that wrong, a Mardi Gras, I'm getting absolutely crucified. Let's let's see. If, oh yeah, I got it. I nailed it. You're welcome, guys. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so I think they could do something... That could be that could be nice to say. It's like if Moon, when Moonlight got it last year. Um, and Calling By Your Name could be in the next gay film to win it. But then again, I just don't really... I don't see it as like this gay film. I see it as just this wonderful, beautiful love story. Um, that... Uh, the, the, the time that, that these two characters had um, is fantastic. I, I want to talk about Coin by Your Name after this. It's Mardi Gras. So let's talk about Coin by Your Name after this. Um, yeah, Darkest Hour I didn't see. Dunkirk, I said, was a technical masterpiece. I thought it was very... Again, technical-wise, I thought it was masterful. Christopher Nolan does a great job about he does a he does a great job directing situations that had to do with time, and the I guess the diminishing of time and what happens. He likes to do it in a very uh, puzzle-like sense. Dunkirk's a bit more straightforward than let's say Inception or Interstellar, but um, yeah, other than that. I don't know, I just didn't have a character to latch on to, so I didn't really enjoy it as much as other people. Other people, Because I like a story, I don't like a character, I like development. And there's just, you just see soldiers getting... I think the film is mostly just looking at what happened in that moment and how these people felt. And you definitely, I definitely got that. I definitely was put in that experience and definitely felt that moment. But, uh, yeah. Get Out, yes, loved it. Lady Bird, loved it. Loved Lady Bird. Um... Phantom Thread, as I've said, I loved it. Shape of Water, holy fuck, yes, I loved it. And Three Billboards, I loved it. So it's oh, it's a hard one, this one. It's a hard one. Um, yeah, it's it's a hard one. 
It's, it's very hard. I think it's going to go to three billboards. However, it also could go to Shape of Water. Could mm. yeah, shape of oil. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say I don't want to put too much silence in that in the air there. There was a bit too much there, I think. But uh, I, uh, shape of water. My pick is going to be, as much as I love three billboards outside Edmond, Missouri, my pick is going to be uh, Shape of Water. So that's my pick. I think I changed it, wasn't it? Three billboards last time? But now I was saying Shape of Water. Shape of Water. Yeah, I love that. It was so, it's something else. Um, yeah. And that's it. So the Oscars are on Monday. I'm not, I haven't done the betting pool this year because I just, um, I didn't have time to get it organized because I've been organizing this like, this last film. Sorry, I shouldn't say last film, last student film. I'm not going to say last film, because holy shit, is that wrong? Um, so I didn't have time to put the pool together. I didn't really... I mean, probably could have, but I was doing other stuff as well. Just didn't do it this year. It's on, in Australia, it's on on Monday. Um, I'm missing it. Fuck you, who you're watching it. <laughs> and I'll definitely catch it in the night time. Are we talking about... I'll be talking about the wins next Thursday and what I thought could have won or, you know, it's always that kind of thing. Who could have won? Who should have won? What I was happy with? Who knows? I could be happy all the way through this time because this is, this is, again, this is one of the best selections of nominees I've seen in recent years. One of the best, I think. Um, yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a good ceremony. I hope. I hope they, just, I hope they uh, read out the right name this time. Because, uh, God, God, holy fuck, that was a clusterfuck last time. Shit. Holy shit. If you want to check out an interesting little thing, um, The Hollywood Reporter released a couple of days ago, they released an article that talked about everything that went down before that moment, everything that went down before the they read that wrong name out. And it's really, it's really cool. Very interesting article. It, it's, it's called an oral history or something. And it's, uh, it says that, Everything that ran through everybody's minds, uh, what was supposed to happen. Apparently, this producer was on his phone way too much, and he gave this the envelope to Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway, and because uh, he, he fucked up, I'm pretty sure he got fired. He fucked up because he was on his phone too much. He couldn't put his phone down. He's taking photos of stars and doing this shit. Could not put his phone down, um, which is very reminiscent of the film I'm doing, and uh, he fucked up. So, uh, he calls one of the, probably the biggest fuck-ups in Oscar history. <laughs> so, well done to you, sir. Um, yeah, it's a very interesting article. Um, it's on The Hollywood Reporter. Um, I might link it in the description. I might, don't know. Um, but just go on Hollywood Reporter and just look it up. It's, I think it's the oral history of, like, the biggest... I don't know. It's oral history is in the title, but I'll just say that. But it's from a couple of days ago. You should be able to find it pretty easy because I only did it a couple of days ago. Um, so it's interesting. I'd like to finish off by saying again for the third time, happy Mardi Gras to everyone out there. Um, they're having a wonderful night, I, I, I'm suppose, out there on Oxford Street. A crazy night. So I'd say wonderful. I'd say wild, crazy, getting out there. Um, definitely next year, I would love to get be a part of it. I think last year... Uh, I had something on last year and this year I just didn't have anybody to uh, go with if I was a photographer I'd probably go and take some photos but my phone is garbage um, so I'm, I'll be next year I'll have the uh, the old uh, the S9 so I'll take some photos there and I'll be able to just go out some people without some people I heard my roommate uh, leave a couple of months, couple of hours ago she left a few friends of hers and there's fucking glitter all over the bathroom floor there's glitter all over the kitchen floor as well. And, uh, yeah, I'm not fucking cleaning that shit up, I'll tell you. I'm not cleaning that up. So I'd like to finish off by... I never really ha had a full... You never. I, I feel I didn't really express my full thoughts on um, Luca Guadagnino's film, Come By Your Name, adapted from uh, the novel of the same name, and the screenplay written by 
James Ivory. Um, this film was one of the best films I've seen in recent years. Um, it's a very, very beautiful film. I'm sweating on my face. I'm sweating on my face so much my glasses are falling off. Um, now this could be the best... This could be the, the gay love story everybody wants. The gay love story. The gay love story. I'm just hearing that everywhere. The biggest gay love story. The best gay love story. Oh, it's just the gay love story. It is... It is... Uh, it is a story that... Is with, between these two guys that... Have form a connection. It's not... These two... Uh, especially Timothy Chalamet's character of Elio. He's not... Gay. I, I, I don't think he's gay straight up. He has a straight... He has this straight relationship. It's just this connection that they form during this, uh, I guess, vacation in Italy, um, in this vacation home. It's just that this connection that they form that just becomes something uh, unbreakable, I guess. And it becomes this this relationship between these two characters that is just beautiful. And it's so beautiful to watch on screen. Um, again, I've got to give it to the writing, James Ivory, the screenplay. I know it's derived from the book, but his screenplay has got to be praised here. Um, some of the lines are just beautiful. The cinematography is very, uh, authentic. This film is about... this. What I loved about this film was, was its authenticity. Its authenticity of its characters, to be authentic. Uh, the authentic feel I got from it, from the cinematography to the sound design to this music... Um, the sound design was a huge part of the um, authenticity to me because of the of they just used everything there. Like I heard, I felt like I was back in Italy, even though I've probably never been in that part of Italy. Um, I felt like I was back in Italy, and um, oh god damn, I wanted to go back. I wanted to just like transport myself back there again because it's such a fucking beautiful place. It's one of the most beautiful places on earth. It's one of my favorite places on earth. Um, and I wish I was back there. Hopefully one day I'll be able to go there. Hopefully one day I'll be able to make a movie in Italy. Wouldn't that be great? Be great for me. Um, the performance, the performances have to be praised as well. Timothy Chalamet is fucking amazing in this movie. Army Hammer is also really good. He's this is probably the best I've seen him. Army Hem has always been kind of this, eh, to me, like, oh, okay. But in this film, I thought he was good. I thought it was really good. Michael Stuhlbarg is the MVP. Um, kind of like the secret MVP of this movie. Again, uh, harkening back to what I said before about his final monologue he gives to Elio in the final closing minutes of this film. It's just beautiful. It's one of the best pieces I've heard. Um, in cinema, it's about, it's so, it's real. I took a lot from it, that last monologue. And, uh, the second time I watched Call Me By Your Name, I fucking cried. I cried. I didn't cry in the theater when I went to see it with my mate, but the second time I watched it and I thought more about those words, I honestly had tears down my face because I thought it was just such a beautiful moment in that film. Such a beautiful moment in such a beautiful film. Um... And I'm going to watch it again tonight, I think, to do something for Mardi Gras. I think I would... Yeah, I'm going to watch it. I've, I've always wanted to you know, look back on it. I watched a couple of videos that talked about it a bit more and, and things that I might have missed during the film. So I'm thinking about... I don't really have anything to do. All I'm going to do is take a shower and then I'll probably watch more YouTube or something like that. But I don't want to... I'll, I'll probably... I'll, I'll chuck on this film again and and watch it and just appreciate everything it has to offer in terms of cinema and the message that it carries across um, so I, again I have to say that if you haven't seen this movie it's 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 uh, fantastic it I don't think it's been seen by a lot of people, and the people that have seen it have praised the heavens, myself included. You need to watch this movie. Um, it does go for a while. But you need to go for this movie. It's 
the the characters, the message, the setting. I felt like the setting was a character as well in this film because it was so lush and beautiful and just... I felt it. I felt it. Again, going back to authenticity, I felt I felt that environment. And I, it's like I could smell it because the sounds just were that... The sound design was that good. I felt like I was... Again, I felt like I was there. I felt like I was living there with them and experiencing these moments with them. Not the private moments, but like being there and uh he wanted to be one of the characters that was in this fucking beautiful countryside in Italy um so the setting the characters the music as well by Sylvian Stevens was great as well um especially the final song I really like the final song was it I think it was Visions of Gideon I think um but there's another one Mystery of Love that I really enjoyed as well and Timothy Chalamet's performance of Elio is something that is incredible. Um, I'm thinking Casey Affleck in Manchester by the Sea. However, he's not very... He's not as subtle as... He's not really... I can't really say it's the same performance of him. I'm just saying of how great that performance was in that movie. But Timothy Chalamet... I mean, he, he, he hacks through the credits. And he, again, he tells the whole experience what everything he went through through his face and his expression that he well through his facial expressions I guess um he tells it all on his face and you can and you know exactly what he's thinking you know it's 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 a prime example of showing not telling um Telling through flashbacks or telling for anything, you just see it on his face. You're like, he's thinking of this, he's thinking of that, he's thinking of this, he's thinking of that. And now he's... Okay. And then the film comes to a close and you're like, holy shit. <laughs> what a great film. Um, I don't know when it's coming out on Blu-ray or anything, but... Uh, I think, I'm think i pretty sure it's still playing at in the Ritz and Randwick if you live in Sydney. And uh, when you get it on Blu-ray, go and get it. I'm probably going to get this not open... Again, I don't talk about getting opening day because I don't have the money, but I'll get it eventually. Um, it took me a fucking year to get La La Land. <laughs> Even though this film has nothing to, to do with La La Land, I just, La La Land is one of my favourite films, probably of all time. It was, my, it was my favourite film in 2016, and I only got La La Land like a couple of months ago on Blu-ray, and Get Out was the same. So, uh, yeah. go Just watch, watch this movie. If you want something... If you want a relationship to, if you want to, want to see one of the most authentic experiences to do with a relationship, to do with like a summer fling, to do with something that, an experience that would never be forgotten, that no one could ever share, um, you need to watch this movie. You need to watch this film. It's, it's beautiful. It's brilliant. It's beautiful. And it's, it's. It's great. It's great. I can't find words. Can't find any more words. Uh, yeah, so that'll do. That'll wrap it up. Uh, we've just hit the one hour mark, so we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Um, go see Phantom Thread. Go see Call Me By Your Name if you can. Go and see Red Sparrow if you want to. I don't know. Oscars are on Monday. I'll be talking about that next Thursday. I know I haven't been doing I didn't do a half or either last week as well. Again, just too busy. Um, but I'll get to it. If I have anything to say, I doubt I'll anything to say in the half of this week because I didn't really do anything. Um, so yeah, have a good weekend. If you're out, of, um, if you're listening to this after, if you're out of Mardi Gras right now, hope you had a good night. Hope you had a crazy one, um, and uh, stay safe. And I'll be talking about the Oscars next week. And uh, well, yeah, we'll be talking about a lot. I think we'll be talking about quite a lot. I'll uh, I'll talk to you next Thursday everyone have a good one